Anime Pulse, episode 636. by my co-host Andrew Chan. Hello. And we are here to bring you another show of previews, news, and what's just been going on with our lives in general. Hmm. And I believe that should probably just get us started right on with our IRL news. Yes, indeed. So, what's what's happening in the life of uh, Joseph's? Life of Joseph has been uh, a good drop in like hectic work. Um, since I work for a logistics oh. company, now that Christmas is over, we're kind of in a lull right now, where people are mm-hmm. kind of still looking at their presents, still running on the treadmills they bought, still planning on losing those couple of pounds that they, you know, made a year, New Year resolution to do. Uh, before we're going to go through what we call the returns, when everyone is like, that treadmill's a bit too much of a space waster. I'm never going to use it again, honey. Honestly, a couple thousand dollars for that thing? Let's return it, get our money back, and uh, go have a nice dinner Mm -hmm. instead. So, uh, boy, howdy, when those begin, it's just Uh picking up treadmills and all sorts of other fitness equipment that people don't want. Because Americans be lazy and fat, yo. <laughs> Tales <clears throat> all this time. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think there was a study that came out at NPR recently how like only thirty percent average, on average, thirty percent of Americans are physically active. Uh, it depends on like on what they. You know what are their parameters for physically active? Like how how active do you have to be to be considered physically active? I right? think the the idea was that you do at least thirty minutes of physical activity a day that makes you sweat, uh, perspire, or your heart rate increase to uh, above ninety mm. uh, beats per second. Ah, right. Okay. Mm. I guess that's not surprising. I'm, it'd be nicer to see like a bigger diagram of like which states are letting you down as well. Oh yeah, they they definitely talked about that. In oh. fact, the best state okay. where it was like eighty percent of the population was physically active, I believe uh-huh. it was like it was one of the Midwest states, which makes sense considering you have nothing else to do out there except be physically active. Right. Mm-hmm. Might as well hit the gym. <laughs> exactly. There's also, like, less population in those states, so you got uh, less people you have to look at to uh, hmm. to be able to know who's physically active and who's not. Meanwhile, you go to some place like Florida, um, uh-huh. and it's just... Amusingly enough, the state they counted, even though I don't really consider it a state, uh, is Puerto Rico, the laziest of the American... Uh, I guess you could call it... Uh, colonies? 
since they're not a state yet. Colonies. Yeah, because they're not a state. Mm. And that's ah. always been like a big key uh, territory. Yes, thank you, Primaria. It's an American ah, territory. Um, Protectorate. Yeah, because like there was this whole thing uh, recently where like they got hit by the, the hurricane, they lost power everywhere, and then Trump was kind of like, should we care? I mean, they're not a state. I mean, we'll help them a little bit, but you guys got to get on your own two feet. Stop being right. so lazy. And, well, now this study came out, and it's like, well, basically most of their population doesn't do anything, which I kind of feel like that's par for the course, considering how hot it is there. People are probably just like, can't move, just want to not do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. It does make it more, like, makes me more lethargic when it gets cold, too. So, I can understand. Yeah. It's the, it's yeah. the nice... Uh, golden uh, Goldilocks of temperatures where it's like, you know what? I want to go outside and do something instead of the um, too hot, too cold. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, uh, we've been talking about all sorts of stuff except for my IRL news. Um, oh, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, so yeah, I said that work's been kind of slow, which has been nice. Gives you kind of like some breathing room to catch up on things. Uh, I got uh -huh. a couple volumes here of a manga that I've been reading online. And so I decided to support the mangaka and buy it. And it is Uzaki-chan Wants to Hang Out. Um, hmm. Also known as uh, Big Tits Kohai teases um, older masculine um senpai with muscles and scary eyes oh i think you've talked about this one in the past I i've talked about ones like it but um i don't know if i mentioned this one in particular but i do right. enjoy it like <laughs> like sometimes she gets her comeuppance too which it's not always just her teasing him and getting away with it like at one point um they uh -huh. were doing like a vr thing or they were underwater, and then mm -hmm. she put the VR on him, and he doesn't like sharks, but he was, like, swimming around, uh -oh. trying to get away with it, and then she got too close to him, and he ended up just, like, groping her tits. But she couldn't do anything about ah. it, because she did that to herself. So she didn't hit him or nothing. She kind of just, like, backed away and was like, all right, well, that happened. <laughs> uh, I take it there's romantic tension between the two throughout Oh, yeah, the there's, there's plenty of romantic tension. In fact, the... Uh -huh. Most recent chapter, I think, like, they get their fortunes told, and the fortune teller's like, wow, you two are, like, super compatible. Why aren't you fucking? <laughs> wow. And it's kind how, of like... How the, old tells are they? Them, uh, they're both... Well, the dude's, like, 23, and the girl's 19, I think. Give me okay. a second here. Oh, okay. uh, she's 19 it's years kinda... old, and he is... Uh... 20 years old, so only a year's difference, plenty of legal age for for the, uh, you know, that stuff. No pants dance. No pants dance. Yeah, the no pants dance. The, the wrestling technique. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> uh, I've been doing that. I've been playing a lot of XCOM 2 still, which I'm almost done with that game. I'm basically wrapping it up. I'm defeating the last of the... Uh, I think there's three 
alien facilities left, and then I can focus everything on completing this whole autopsy of the Avatar corpse that I got and, you know, kicking some alien butt off my world. Hmm. Yep. Okay. So you're near the end? Yep, nearing the end of that, which will be good because the game that comes after that is going to take my butthole for a ride. Darkest Dungeon. What? Here we come. Ah. Right, right. I thought you already started that one with like that. Uh, no, I that? downloaded it because it was like yeah. five bucks on Steam for a sale during ah. winter. I downloaded yeah. a shit ton of mods because there's some mods that they add some cool classes and uh, they change some characters to be a little more hot. Um, and <laughs> they add boobies and, and you know. The things, the the stuffs and the things. Yeah, the, and the, the, the stuffs, you know, I'm a guy. I, I like... Yeah. Mods for science, exactly, Primaria. For science, I need to... There uh, we go. I need, to re- I need to review it, uh, which is kind of like what's uh, it, it's, something It's relevant be... to his interests. Yes, my interests are relevant to this. Hmm, good, good knowledge. Yes. Hmm. Uh, speaking yes. of knowledge... Uh, what uh-huh. knowledge do you have to lay down upon us, Andrew, about how your week has been going? I've I've really got nothing because, like, I have. Well, I have watched anime. Uh, it's it's all stuff that we're going to be previewing. Of, ah, so I, don't I too really think it's have watched oh. anime. Ah, okay, cool. That, I mean, I think that's kind of part of the job description when we brought <laughs> that really large, like, forty-page contract you just dumped on my desk. Like, you gotta sign this. I think that was like on section forty-two. Have to watch anime. I, yeah, so. that's uh, section yeah. 42 B slash D mm-hmm, must mm-hmm. watch Among anime. Among other really weird demands in that contract, but you know. Yeah, that the one, one made right the below that's something about selling your soul, but don't worry about that. You, yeah, who needs fine. it? Yeah. Souls yeah. don't I, yeah. exist. It's not like it's it really matters. It's really weird that you guys had me like uh, sign it in blood. That was strange. But Yeah, it wasn't even your own blood too, uh, you know, because yeah, you, exactly. you yeah, didn't want to prick your fingers, so we had to bring mm-hmm. out the old demon blood. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just come standard these days. It's fine just to make sure. We had uh, Ozzy mission. rip the head off another bat, and we used that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so there's not really much to mention in terms of, uh, you know, work, anime, and all that sort of stuff, because we're going to be getting to that when it comes to our previews. Speaking of which, before we get to the relevant topic, uh, we'll just go right along with our community stuff, which begins usually with the comments on the site, and... Lo and behold, this week we actually do have some comments. Let me just refresh this just real quick, just in case there's ones on the newest episodes. There is not. There are three on episode 634, Okasa Nan Kiro Um, First one is from Margie B, who says, I forgot to mention Babylon in my favourite anime of 2019. It's pretty different than most of anime. I mean, the main character is a public prosecutor. It's only 10 episodes, so it only took me two days to watch it. I've been meaning to watch more Babylon, actually, given that um, I kind of liked the the whole... It was very slow-paced, but I think what was good about it is it had faith in the audience to kind of, like, pay attention. So it's very different from a lot of other anime that has to use shortcuts to keep your attention. So yeah, I appreciate that. I think... uh, I'm not sure if it'd be a favourite of mine, but I won't know until I check it out. So I'll take that advice. Yotaru Vegeta comes in with, uh, in my comments under a previous episode, I don't know how I mixed up Andy with Joey, but I totally did. I must have been tired when I wrote those. I think this is about the Dragon Ball Super Killed My Childhood comment. 
Um, yeah, because it did seem strange that Joey would say that because I don't think he watches Dragon Ball Super. Um, I do not. I uh I don't think I don't know if it's just tiredness you're through, but from my experience, I feel like you're more likely to criticize Joseph than you are to criticize me. So I think it's just a force of habit now that you just expect that when you're uh making a critical statement, you just say Joseph and he just got caught in the crossfire. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the rest of the answer that we made in terms of that episode is uh, speaks for itself. Next up, his the rest of his comment. He has another comment that says. Kandagawa Jet Girls is so trash that the main character's mom, who is dead, mind you, gets a flashback and they're focused on every single one of her curves. It's so trash that I forgot I actually got through the first episode. Let's not even get into the OP, which climaxes in one of the girls mounting the other, sporting full camel toes. Just one more thing. Suit purging. The only thing that saves me from hating trash like this is that it's horny trash and isn't trying too hard to pretend it's any good. Yeah, yeah, I agree with pretty much most of that. I for- I didn't actually clock in that the mum is dead. <laughs> but yeah, that makes it even worse that they're showing fan service. They're focused on fan service when the flashback is about her dead mum. So that's that's great. Shows you where the creator's minds were at. And yeah, I mean, I had the same I had the same feeling. It's only when I had to think of anime that was best and worst from last year that I actually re-noticed Kandigawa Jet Girls because I thought... This anime was so bad I didn't want to preview it because that would mean I'd have to watch it again. <laughs> That's how bad it was. So yeah, that's less said about that one, the better. Anyways, that does it for uh, comments on the website. We're now moving on to the forums. There's some updates from last week's forum topic, which was about um, resolutions for 2020. And there's one new update from Margie B who says, uh, 2019 has been mostly solid anime-wise and life-wise. As for 2020 anime-wise, I'm hyped for Attack on Titan's final season. That's coming out in autumn, by the way. Uh, I stopped reading the manga the minute I heard about the last season being in production, so I'm pretty stoked for season four. I'm also looking forward to other anime new anime new seasons like ReZero, ReZero, Snafu, boy, it's been a while, Fire Force, and Babylon. I have started reading genres of non-fiction books that are a little out of my comfort zone in 2019, but not as much as I would have liked. So I'm planning to do more of that in 2020. Uh, reading is something uh, of a resolution of mine too. I, I always fail at it though. Um, I'm not planning for any drastic changes in my life this year, except for taking more care of my body and staying hydrated. Cheers. Yes, water is good. HTO is very good for you. It sustains the body. Definitely drink more of it. Everybody should drink more water. Um, okay, and that moves us uh, cleanly to this year's, this year's, this week's forum topic, which is anime, winter 2019-2020. This week marks the beginning of uh, our first preview show of the year, so I thought I'd get let you guys get in on the fun and start mentioning some anime you guys are going to be checking out and maybe what you thought of the ones you've watched so far. Obviously, me and Joseph aren't really going to be weighing in on this one too much, given that, you know you're going to be getting some previews. However, uh, I've kept this open a while in the past and I'm, you know, it's still open this, uh, this time around. If anybody has any requests for something they want to get previewed during a preview show, um, either by me, um, I don't know if Joseph will oblige, maybe he will, you know, it depends. Um, then go ahead and forward us some requests and, you know, we'll see if we can sort you out. So anyways, the first reply I have is from Shield Bro who says, Fate Grand Order, Room Camp, Science Falls in Love, Nekopara, Inspector, and Railgun. I believe one of those is going to be covered in today's show. So there you go. Very good. Potentially. Very good. 
Yes. Um, Rampant AI says, Oh, your graphic above is indicative of one show we are already watching in my household. By the way, just for full disclosure for anyone listening to this afterwards, I used a gift from Nekopara. <laughs> my <laughs> oldest son <laughs> insists we watch Nekopara if for no other reason than for the fan service cringe and overt sexual sexualized kawaii. And yes, my kid is well familiar with the game series. I shrug my shoulders since he's over 18 now. <laughs> You're a good father. So far, it is, as one might expect, a variation on cute girls doing cute things or cat girls doing cute things. I see what you did there. Uh, we also begin watching the Puella spin-off, Magia Record, that may be also previewed today. <clears throat> uh, but while I'm game for it, my family is not as interested. Might wait until the season is complete. We all do plan to watch Rikie ga koi ni ochita no de shoume shita mita, uh, or science fell in love. So I tried to prove it. Um, yeah, I I've checked out episode one. I think you'll probably hear more about it from Joseph in a later week. Uh, I watched the first episode of uh, yeah potentially. Um, I watched the first episode of Infinite Dendrogram. But couldn't find, could not interest my sons in watching it with me. It seems okay so far, but hasn't grabbed me yet. Which one's Dendrogram? I think I might have checked that one out as well. Oh no, it's the oh man, that's the other art. That's the generic virtual reality RPG one. Yeah, it's not grabbed me either. Uh, there are a few continuing series this season as well, but I will leave those off my mentions. All in all, I'm waiting to see what we what we learn from AP previews and reviews for some of the other possible gems that we might need to look into. Well. Me and Joseph are uh, here to uh, glad to oblige in that, so stay tuned. Next up, we have um, that's it for the forum forum website, but we actually have some input on the Discord as we do these days. Um, first up, Marina Burt comes in with "Keep Your Hands Off Izoken" is top notch, probably anime of the season, potentially, potentially. Uh, Pumiria says, "Well, currently I am watching the new season of Isekai Quartet." The Case Files of Jeweler Richard, Asteroid in Love, Science Fell in Love, Room Camp, and Somali and the Forest Spirit. Of those, I would currently rank Somali as at the top. Joseph might agree if he hasn't checked it out already. I think it's definitely up his alley. Followed by uh, Science Fell in Love, Isekai Quartet, Asteroid in Love, Case Files, and Jeweler Richard, and then Room Camp. With that said, none of the shows have put me off yet, though Room Camp being so short is unfortunate. Whoops, forgot Magic Record. It's decent too. There you go. Marina Burt uh, follows up with ID Invaded. That's ID as in ID, ego, super ego, not identification. Oh, there you go. Uh, it's really interesting. Director of Fate Zero, but it's an original anime written by uh, mystery novelist Otaro Ma- Maijo. He's not an anime screenwriter, but a novelist, and he has won some awards. It's kind of a cop procedural catching uh, serial killers, but with a twist. There's a minority report-like system for detecting the killer's unconscious mind and puzzling together their fragmented psyche so they can identify an arrest and stop the killer. It feels like it should be a Noitamina show. So, there you go. That's an image of it. Looks like Natsu from Fairy Tale being cut up into pieces, so hmm. there you go. Uh, and I think that does it from the community for this week's forum topic. Like I said, there's not really too much that me and Joseph needs to go into. Do you want to mention anything before moving on, Joseph, though? Uh, 
think we'll be talking enough this coming few weeks about what we'll be watching and what we'll be talking about for this season. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, if for things I'm going to continue watching, um, uh-huh. um, Mashimita Iremokun is still going on, and so is Babylon, uh, Fake Grand Babylon. So uh, those are okay, two that so are still, still ongoing those. that I'm still uh, uh, still watching. <clears throat> okay, uh, ones that I'm continuing would be, if, if we're good on that note, uh, Boku no Hero Academia 4th season, still watching that, and, oh, I, oh uh, Kabu, Ka, Kabukicho Sherlock, watching more of that, I think that's it, everything else is going to be brand new for me, so, there you go. All right. Which case that brings us to our industry news, which should go rather quickly, considering we both just have one topic each. And I'll get us started here with some some uplifting news, you know. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we yes. got uh, the uh, if you ever it you probably heard of it uh, Chihara Furu, which uh, was one of the top animes of the decade for many a anime mm-hmm. watcher. Um, the uh, mangaka creator behind the series Yuki Setsuku announced on Tuesday that she has established a fund to support the competitive. Co- uh, Karuta Industry, which is uh, the card game that is uh, the basis for the an- for the anime and the manga. So uh, basically, the uh, in the manga, Satsuku has reflected on how the story of Chihiro Furu is coming to an end. Throughout the course of the manga, the people in the real life world of competitive Karuta have assisted and come. Uh, peated and cooperated with her, and she feels a great debt towards them. However, although Karuta has become more popular in recent years, probably thanks in part to her anime and her series, many organizations still lack the funds and manpower in order to pay competitive players well, or at least train aspiring players. Which, you know, kind of is a deterrent for anyone who wants to get into that line of work. Tatsugu, who feels that manga is her only talent, decided to use her platform to help raise funds for the betterment of the industry. The uh, funds committee is organizing their first Karuta meet on February the 23rd, uh, titling it uh, the first Chihairafuru Ogurama Cup or 8 cup class Karuta athletes will compete at the fundraising event. Mm. Cool. So, some some good news for you Karuta players out there. Maybe you'll be looking at a slightly larger paycheck in the coming mm. coming weeks and months, years. Uh, with this fun, maybe you'll be doing better. Better. But who knows? I'm not entirely certain because, as we just stated, Shihara is coming to an end. So... Mm. Unless we got another manga slash anime that's going to come out that's going to be based around Karuta, 
I don't know. Uh-huh. Then again, this is Japan we're talking about. They probably have like 10 other animes that are going to be announced within the year that are based around Karuta. Yeah, I mean, <clears> I, I bet if they look for it, there's probably like a gajillion different manga that nobody knows about that's also about the same thing. That's just waiting to be adapted. So, but, you know, yeah. there'd be a lot of manga out there. So. Oh, yes, there are. Yeah. Everyone wants but, to be their own boss, so they all want to work for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has that sort of dream of breaking out and being free. The only problem is there's so much extra work you need to do, administratively-wise. But, you know, this is a good example of, you know, uh, anime being able to sort of, like, raise the profile of something and then also being able to do some real good to that activity in real life. So that's kind of neat. I like that. Well, speaking of doing good activities to things in real life, the opposite can be said for your <laughs> news article. I was really wondering how you were going to, like, transition that, but... Yeah, nailed it. Great. Uh, so, um, a bitter pill, but, you know, this is a bitter pill we're all very used to. Working mm. in the anime industry sucks for a lot of people. I know. Groundbreaking news. So, uh, there's a long-time Japanese animator called Jun Arai, who has worked in the anime industry for over 20 years, since 1997. Uh, she's worked on such amazing... Well... At least well-known series, because I'm not sure about the other one. Uh, series as Tengen, Topa, Gurren Lagan, and Sword Art Online. So she's got quite a long career. Wait, is that she? I don't know. I just assumed. I don't know. I didn't say here. But anyways, she had a Twitter um recently, a tweet recently, complaining about the low pay, given that she was more recently working on the Pokemon anime. And in the short thread, she exclaims that she was paid 4,500 yen per animation cut, which is one of the lowest cut out there. So to transcribe the translation of um, the tweet itself, it's she said, or he said, I don't, I don't know at this point. The Pokemon anime pays 4,500 yen, or 42 US dollars per animation cut, which means it's made with some of the lowest paid anim- artwork in the anime industry. If you work that out to an hourly rate, it's less money than you get paying uh, paid working part-time in a convenience store. That's pretty grim. Especially given that she's a veteran animator in the industry. Or he. Fuck. Um, this is the first, and, you know, this isn't the first time we've heard about this kind of story, and probably won't be the last, because, you know, we hear about this sort of shit all the time. Uh, animation production jobs um, with people in Japan are uh, very demanding, a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of overtime, with very low pay and security overall. And this is just more on top of that. Though, you know, things typically have to, um, you know, there are initiatives, as I've, we've, we've kind of uh, highlighted over the past year or so, that are trying to improve it. But, you know, it's never going to, like, immediately get better overnight, isn't it? So, also, I fucked up. There was apparently a update to the forum topic uh, by Black Magic there. Um... For the 2019-2020 anime. Let me just say this out of order. This anime season doesn't have much going for it. And I haven't started watching them yet. But the series I'm interested in is. Ed Invaded. I got it right this time. Babylon and Keep Your Hands Off Ezoken. While I'm not sure about the other two. I have seen clips of Ezoken. And it looks like a sleeper hit. Maybe not so much a sleeper. You know. But yeah. Sorry. I ended the industry news on a community thing that's more positive. And that, that does it. I mean, is anybody surprised that working in the anime industry be difficult and soul-draining? 
Nope, not at this point. This point, everything about the anime industry just—it's like the—it's like the video game industry. It's just all I hear about it is crunch, bad pay, terrible working conditions. I never hear anything good. Yeah, I mean, y'all had a good anime company in Japan. It was called Kyoto Animation that apparently paid its workers very well, had a very good scheme, had maturity leave and all these sorts of worker benefits. And, and then it got burned you know, down to the ground. Exactly, that's where I was going with it. Y'all had a good animation company that actually treated its workers nicely, apparently, from what I could tell. And that one got burned, so there you go. A Jun Arai Ismail. But does he identify as... I'm not going to go with that. Yeah, sure, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to correct. Yes, yeah, so yes, Juno Rise is a dude. I don't know why I assumed it was a female. I don't know. There you go. So, um, yeah. That's that's uh, industry news, I think, as far as we're both concerned, then. Because we only have one story each, so... Yeah. Well, a high and a low. <clears throat> little hey, little ho. <laughs> yeah. In which case, we can begin our first preview show of the winter 2020 season. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Yes, we're, we're back at it with previews. It feels like it's been forever, which isn't necessarily a bad thing it feels like it's been a whole year yeah even. i know yeah. since last winter yes well <sighs> last winter gave us a lot of good things to talk about so i'm hoping i'm hoping we got some good things to talk about this winter season mm-hmm. and i guess i'll start us off here with uh some pizza Pizza. Yes. Pizza? Some pizza. Mm. Some Red Baron pizza. Huh. Yes. Plunderer. That's ah. the anime I'm going to talk about. Ah, Plunderer. This is an anime I initially was thinking I'm not going to get into. So let's see what <laughs> we have here. So anime opens up. Uh, we got a mother being dragged into the ground by a bunch of hands as she's telling her daughter to find the ace, find the legendary ace. And she hands her a dragon ball with a number 10,000 on it. We then cut later on to her having grown up. She's a bit older now. It looks like maybe at least she's in her teens, 17, 18, somewhere around there. Of She's legal telling age. Us, of illegal age, definitely of legal age. You know, yes. of completely legal age. <laughs> yes. Uh, She's resting her feet in a foot bath with some other girls, talking about uh, how she's searching for someone important and tells mm. them that she's searching for the ace. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a legend. And then this weird green bear thing. Uh, slowly floats towards them and then pops up a man wearing a kabuki mask with long white hair and mm. he starts molesting the girl um, yeah. feeling up her legs in a very much like um, haposai manner I'd have to say from Ranma just like mm. uh, blah, 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 
you know, just like up and down the legs while she's putting on her socks, trying to get away her fastest and darndest. Uh, she is saved then by a tanned woman with pinkish hair with the number 77 on her tits. And uh, this girl stomps Mr. Uh, Mr. Kabuki mask into the ground. Uh-huh. And then it gives us an explanation about the world. Exposition dump. Basically, everyone has a number. You're born with a number. And your number goes up or down based upon a certain thing that you do. A certain thing that you count. And you know what you count. Everyone does. For instance, our main girl here, she counts the miles or the kilometers that she's walked. So her number is 441, which she, I believe there's actually like some scientific reasoning behind numbers in this world. Because the girl's like, wait, if your number is based upon how much you've walked, that only counts in thousands of kilometers or hundreds of kilometers. Which means right. you've walked 444,000 kilometers. Mm. And she's like, yeah, I've, been, I've walked the entire way. I've been looking for a while. <clears throat> and the girl with the, the 77 on her tits is saying like, well, the 77 here represents the number of people who say my food is delicious. If they say it's disgusting, it goes down. If they say it's delicious, it goes up. <laughs> ha ha. Uh-huh. And apparently if your number is higher than someone else, you can order them around and they have to do what you say. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, works. during this exposition exposition dump, uh, uh-huh. Mr. Kabuki Mass is getting tossed around and kicked around like a football, the European style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very much like a football. All the other girls calling him the worst enemy, worst female harasser, you know, enemy of females. Basically a pervert. Uh, The uh, tanned woman then goes on to tell our main female character, hey, you know, you shouldn't bother searching for this ace character. He's a myth. Doesn't exist. And that's Mm. when the legendary Ace shows up, or someone at least claiming to be him. He works for the military, and he's got everything that appears to, you know, match the description of the legendary Ace. He's got a silver or white star on his face, number 320 below his eye, you know. Mm -hmm. He seems like a gentleman. And he takes our main character away, back to his base, where he begins to molest her. She then pulls out the Dragon Ball... He gets all frightened by it, basically saying, are you a ballot holder? And immediately my thoughts are, huh, she's from Florida. Well, <laughs> she uh, gets kicked around by him for a, a bit, tosses her out a window, makes her agree to com- or agree to put their stars on the line, where then she is uh, molested by a bunch of those hands that dragged her mother into what is known as the abyss. Where Ooh. they are either tortured to death or they die. You know, either or. One or the other. Yeah, her number is then stripped from her inner thigh, because that's where her number is, you know, for reasons. Yep. And uh, the number is then placed upon the cheek of the asshole who's claiming to be the legendary hero. And his number goes up to 760. He peels off the sticker that was the white star. And it's like, now hand over the ballot. And that's when Mr. Kabuki Mask shows up. And his number is negative 999. Yeah. What? 
I know. How does he have a negative number and is not being dragged into the abyss? What's going on? Well, he uh, puts up a fight against Mr. Uh, Molester, Mr. Military Molester, and uh-huh. uh, gets a haircut from the sword attacks that Mr. Military Molester launches against him. His kabuki get mask gets broken and reveals he is the legendary ace that the girl was searching for as he pulls a sword out of the uh, remnants of the stuffed bear backpack thing that he had and his number is 5700 and has a white star on the sword because it's a sword that was stored inside of the bear you see Mm. he grabs our main character in his arms and holds her close as he poses in a heroic pose and the anime first episode comes to an end And that is the first episode of Plunderer. Oh, boy. Um, well, I have heard this uh, this anime in its manga form be previewed or reviewed by Manga Pulse. Oh, was um, it? <laughs> yeah, oh. which is why I'm calling him the Red Baron, because ah. I guess that's his nickname. Oh, okay. And I'm calling him a pizza because there's Red Baron Pizza. Which is pretty oh, okay. darn good. I really didn't if get you've it, ever had Red Baron pizza sense. before. Fair enough. Or he could be Snoopy, you know, sitting on top of his uh, doghouse, piloting into the other airplanes, taking on World War One or Two again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the animation was average. Voice acting was average. Uh, mm. story was average. The guy was a super pervert. Like he was molesty type. Like Hoppo side, but without the like redeeming factor of like, oh, he's like an old man, so like he's got like ten more years of life left. Hey, you know what? So what if he's like groping some boobies? <laughs> sure, he's gonna he's die. Soon. He's gonna die Look, soon. So that's the redeeming quality. I love how that's his redeeming quality. But uh, it, yeah, Master Roshi level. No, he's Hoppo side level. Premieria. Haposai level. He puts Master Roshi to shame. This guy is like was a real uh, sticking out his tongue, licking the girl's thigh, going up and down it, going, you know, Uh a girl he's met for the very first time. That's how his introduction is. He starts by groping her thighs. Like yeah. At one point, he even grabs her thighs and forcefully pulls them apart while he he's under the table. Of the cafe that she's in, he's like, "Damn, these thighs—they're in my way." <laughs> it's, it's like it's—it's it's kind of bad because like um, they characterize oh like the main villain of this episode as being like a as like a super pervert, but it's like the main guy is kind of the same thing. He's also a super pervert. Yeah, he's uh, basically yeah. he's a good version though because you know he saves our main female character. So what if he tried to you know? munch on her carpet it doesn't matter save the day (laughs) yeah that's what matters yeah sure i won't be continuing this series um yeah i was uh i had a significant lack of interest in it like it almost it almost almost hooked me with the uh-huh. action sequence that they had where the fight between the 
one pervert versus the other pervert. Which wasn't really even that much of like an action-y thing. All it was was him like pulling out his sword and deflecting one attack that he had. And then uh-huh. like all the other subordinates to the one pervert military dude going like, Oh my god, he's a ballot holder. That's why his number of negative 999 is cancelled out by the fact his sword is 5,700. Yeah. Also, Will the girl get her numbers back? Yeah, I'm also, like, super tired of the whole, like, his number's 9,999. It's over 9,000! Yeah. I'm I'm beyond that. It's like, I'm Super Saiyan level 5. What? Super Saiyan level 5? I can only reach Super Saiyan level 3. Oh, I can reach Super Saiyan level 10. Suck it, bitches. (laughs) You haven't even seen my final form yet. I will evolve into God mode. Oh god. Yeah, so I'm I pass pass yeah. hard pass on that one. Hard pass. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hopefully cool. the thing that comes next won't be a hard pass. It will it will be something else. Maybe fairly we'll accurate see. actually. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Actually, you might be on the right track there. So uh, first anime previewing this year, January 2020. Um, uh, let's go. Ma- Magia Record Maho Shoujo Madoka Magica Fuck Ka- Gaiden, also known as Magia Record Puella Magi Madoka Magica Side Story, also known as Puella Magi Madoka Magica Side Story Magica Record. So just basically the other one, but they just put Magia Record at the end. Is, is, also, is this one also done by Gen the Butcher? Oh, no, it's not. I, wait. Oh. No, no, no Genero Butchie here. So oh. um, <laughs> they have a higher chance for survival, I guess. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, that was a good point out. Yeah. Um, yes. So this anime is a spin-off to the very popular, um, everyone's probably heard of it, Madoka Magica anime, uh, manga, whatever it was. It probably was an anime first. Uh which was a real twist on the magical girl genre where basically uh, things weren't so sunshines and rainbows. Basically the concept is in this world, you basically get met with like uh, the mascot cute character. That's a standard for magical girl anime, but he promises to grant you a wish. But when you grant the wish, uh, you get anything you want, but then you become a magical girl and you have to fight witches. And then the twist at the end of that show. Spoiler, I suppose, for Madoka Magica. Spoiler for like a five-year, maybe six-year show. um, Is that when you die as a magical girl, you become a a witch as well. So it's like a cycle of life and death. And it's pretty pretty horrific. So this one's a side story based off of the same... In the same universe. And it starts with uh, our main girl. Who's called... What's her name? Uh, Tamaki Iroha. Uh... Where it it starts with a tra- uh, like a train scene with narration of girls explaining the concept I just told you about being a magical girl, and it shows a scene of her fighting a witch, which is like a giant newt monster on a train. Uh, she's rescuing a cat for this girl at the same time. It's it's adorable, and while she's in the middle of a fight, she she fights by transforming, and she gets like a crossbow as her weapon. Also, each magical girl mm-hmm. in this world gets a weapon, so she has a yeah. crossbow and she has like a hood. Uh, she has pink hair. And then she's, she's ah, accompanied she's by Robin Hood. Yes, she's got like a Robin Hood sort of look to her, uh, and or or maybe Assassin's Creed ish 
magical assassin's creature. Um, and she's accompanied by a black-haired girl as well. I kind of missed what her power is. Can she but stop time and try to molest her character while she's she stop time? But there is there's definitely a parallel to be had here, right? Because you have like a pink-haired girl and a black-haired girl that are just kind of partnered together immediately. Uh, it's kind of like Homer and Madoka from the original series. But yeah, they basically fight off the witch and return the cat to the girl and everything's all happy and, and cheery. And meanwhile, the narration's like talking about the whole concept of becoming a, a, a magical girl, but like how, oh, if I had a wish, I can get anything I want. Oh, I want to be one too. I want to be one. So the idea is still very appealing to people who aren't them. I don't know who these girls are, but they're very well informed because they, they know the whole premise. Anyway, so it's uh, it begins with an opening scene of our main girl. Um, she's in a very contemporary city. You know, it's like this is the same thing as like with the original show where she lives in a very like modern looking house. It's very clean. The city's very pristine looking and modern with like plant life coming out of the buildings. It's uh, it's very much like a concept city. Um, but things are not quite right from the very beginning of this show because as she walks into her bedroom she sees like a dark shadowy figure in her room and then it just kind of disappears and she wakes up so it was kind of a dream at the same time but what's even stranger still is like she's in this large square bedroom and her bed and her stuff are one half of the room and the other half of the room is just completely empty so half of her room has nothing in it which is kind of weird she then goes downstairs mm, to make breakfast lunch boxes. Yeah, I know. Oh, I, I don't know if you if you're guessing it. So let me know if you guess it. So she hmm. uh, she goes downstairs to make lunches and accidentally makes two lunch boxes and is like, "Oh, whoops." Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Something something ain't quite right. But then you know she goes downstairs. She she finds that her mom suddenly has to go on an abroad trip. So she's become another anime main protagonist. Main protagonist? Protagonist. Uh, her mom's going to go on a work trip abroad and her dad's going and they're leaving her behind. Because she elects to stay, obviously, because she needs to hunt witches and shit. But she, you know, she's just being very responsible in their eyes. Um, you know, so we see her commute to school and then talking about how she's a good girl over the narration of this. And when she gets to school, she's in like a really modern looking seminar classroom for a middle school slash high school. I don't know how old she is. Um, and then we cut to like a, one of those hallucination sort of scenes, you know, kind of like in the witchy world thing where things are like stop motion and strangely animated. And we have Tamaki discussing her situation with Kyubi, which is the cute white cat rabbit thing um, that, you know, turns them into magical girls to begin with, and she's discussing about what her wish was, because the mystery in this world is she doesn't know what wish she made. QB says that all he can say is that it was a wish that wasn't, for, like, she made it for somebody else, but other than that, she can't, you know, he can't even tell her what the details of the wish were, and she somehow doesn't remember, and it might be as a result of her own wish itself that she can't remember what she wished for. So there she is, she's a magical girl, and she doesn't even know what she sacrificed to actually become a magical girl. Um, then she go. there's a scene of her with the teacher, who's like, oh yeah, your parents are abroad, um, don't forget to ask your friends for help. So I found that kind of funny, it was kind of like the teacher was like, don't come to me if you have any trouble, even though your parents are abroad. Uh, but I'm kind of joking, because at the end she's like, oh, also come to me if you need anything too. So, apparently parents not being home is not a normal thing in this world also, so it gets it's more realistic than a, like, 50% of, like, a, <laughs> like, novel anime where it's okay that the parents aren't home. 
So uh, we also get more scenes showing that Tamaki is a good a good person, I guess, because she volunteers to take over cleaning duty for some of the other girls. Um, and because she's a magical girl, I guess she's very acrobatic because you see her doing flips and all that all over the, the room while she's cleaning it. Uh, while you hear narration of her peers talking about how she's mysterious and how they don't really know her very well. Mm. She gets a call from Kuroi, which presumably is the black-haired magical girl, and they meet on a train. And on the train, um, Kuroi talks about a rumor that's now being spread about how if magical girls go to Kamihama City, they can be saved. Tamaki doesn't believe it and doesn't even really know what they mean by saved, but apparently a bunch of magical girls are having the same dream at the same time uh, about a little girl that tells them that if they go to this specific city, they'll be saved. Kuroi regrets, uh, then goes on to elaborate about why she wants to be saved because she regrets the wish that she made. Uh, for full disclosure, Kuroi made a wish that she'd uh, hook up with the boy she liked, but since then they've actually broken up, so her wish... Definitely wasn't worth it. Um, when um, Tamaki asks Kuroi about where they're going to be going, she says Kamehameha City, and then all everybody turns around possessed, as if like they're possessed by a witch, and get flooded at the train. And surprise, they're attacked by a witch. The witch, uh, you know, they transform and try and fight, but they, but uh, Tamaki gets wrapped up in a large ball of garbage and like floating in midair and she can't move properly. She's trying to shoot the witch, which is like a giant newt monster, but doesn't manage to land a hit. And she realizes that even if she kills the witch, she will just fall to her death anyway. So she's then transferred, transported via this uh, large ball of garbage to another city, which happens to be Kamihama City. Um... She wakes up to find Kuroi passed out on the floor next to her, and then they're in another witch labyrinth, which is like a world that witches make. It's all like stop motion and has a bunch of like, you know, real life imagery, like pasted together like a scrapbook. Uh, but the newt witch that's attacking them gets destroyed by an even stronger witch that looks like it's made up of desserts. When it becomes hopeless and looks like they're both going to be killed by this witch, a chibi cube appears and starts singing a song. Which Tamaki has a weird flashback that hints at her past, and then you know she grabs the the chibi cube only for another magical girl with a lance with blue hair appears, and she with little effort manages to take care of the the large dessert looking witch. Tamaki then notices that baby cube is gone, and blue hair tells her to bugger off because this is her territory and her turf, but she has also heard about the rumor about you know um. Kamihara City being a place where uh, Kamihama City being a place where magical girls can be saved, but doesn't have any useful information besides that. Um, she gives them their grief seeds, which is the fuel for magical girls, and tells them like you know to to, to tell other magical girls never to come here, otherwise she will fight them. Um, the the Kuroi and Tamaki board the train back home, and looking rather dejected about the whole thing, and then we tr- cut to a weird sequence that shows a bunch of girls on like a like a bunch of train tracks, um, all with suitcases walking towards, like, walking into the distance talking about how they're going to be saved if they go there. Tamaki follows the crowd in this weird dreamscape, and she sees a little girl that has the same hair colour as her, but the face is blanked out. The plot thickens as we get another flashback sequence where we see that Tamaki, uh, well, we see the moment where Tamaki made her wish, which was... 
to cure Ui's disease. She wakes up from her dream in a half-empty room again, where we see suspicious, where we see a suspicious amount of photographs of her just on her own, but she's only taking up half of the frame. She wakes up crying and actually says Ui, indicating that there's some remnants of memories of this Ui person. And that ends the episode. So, there you go. So, I mean, it's it's kind of obvious where they're going with this. She basically made some sort of wish that made her little sister, I guess, disappear. And that little sister is now appearing in everyone's dream, and that's kind of the mystery of it. Apparently, according to, like, the, the credits that happened in this episode, um, Madoka from the original series might appear in this series as well, so that's going to be kind of interesting. But um, I don't know where else they're going with it besides that. This anime is made by uh, Studio Shaft. You might know them from their shows such as Bakimonogatari, uh, Nisekoi. They made a lot of like highly acclaimed shows, you know. Mostly they the Bakimono uh, series. They um, also do uh, Sayonara Zetsubo Sentai. Correct. They did Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei. They did Denpa Ona, Toseishin Otoko. They've done... Um... Oh! Brigats No Lion, one of your favorite shows ever. So there you go. Ah, um, well, I hope the work ethic for Shaft is <laughs> is good. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're they're quite consistent in making um, good quality, at least in terms of production and presentation. And that's sort of uh, that still holds true with the <clears> show. <throat> it's it's not the most high octane animation you can expect. It's still got some impressive levels in in regards to CG that you can see in an anime. And it's definitely one of the more understated versions of their kind of work. It's it's more it's got more sort of class to it. And it's got a lot of um, atmosphere when you compare it to other magical girl shows on the market. It's it's good because it kind of hits this balance of you know because since Madoka Magica came out, there was a lot big push towards like magical girl shows being like either parodies or being very edgy and over the top. They always try to top Maho Shoja, Ma- Maho Shoja, <laughs> Maho Shoujo, Madoka Magica in some sort of way, but this one still kind of keeps it in this nice balance between being serious, but not too trying, you know, not trying too hard to be dark, you know, and that's, I think that's an important balance it manages to, to mix. It's, uh, it's got, I suppose, interesting enough characters, animation's decent, it's, uh, got an atmosphere to it, and a good mystery, so I think if you're a fan of the original series, uh, there's almost no reason for you to not check this one out unless you're just burnt out and don't want any more, which I can understand because the original one ended on a decent enough note. But um, yeah, overall, I think this is still one of the better sort of magical girl shows you can get on the market at the moment. So um, if you're interested, give it a look. You know, I don't really have too many complaints about it so far. So keep doing what you're doing, um, Studio Shafts. You know, there's no head tilts in this one so far. There's no shaft head tilt, but you know, I I, I bet they will come at some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah. That does it for Maho Shoujo. I'm gonna obviously keep on uh gonna keep on watching this one as it's coming out. So look forward to review somewhere down the line. And over to you, Joseph, I suppose. Oh my god, wait a second. They did Moonface. <laughs> they did they did Tsukunomi Yun Moonface. Hmm. Our our uh, our our flagship show. There you or go. at least our flagship uh song. Yeah, definitely. I didn't realise that. There you go. I think that one might have had the shaft head tilt in it as well, actually. So, yeah, I guess the signs were there the whole time. Anyways, sorry, uh, I'll stop. I'll stop dilly dallying. Up to you. Uh, on to you, Joseph. No problemo. It's all right. Well, 
I'm about to preview a review of manga gir- of Monster Girls. See, see why? So I did there. Oh, I, I see, I see, I see what you did there. Work, work Very nice. Mm. Yes. Like so, uh, interspecies reviewers or Ishozuku reviewers. Uh, anime starts out, and we got uh, we got some characters here. We got Stunk. A um, human male adventurer with his uh, elf male adventurer Zell, and they're they're talking about how like you know Stunk just banged an elf girl and is walking away, and Zell is like, you know, she's like four hundred years old, dude, and Stunk's like, ah, it doesn't matter, she's still hot and beautiful, and Zell's like, yeah, but her man is like fucking stinky as shit, dude, and then this old eighty year old looking human woman comes up and talking to the elf boy and he's like hey how's it going Mitsu-san you want to have a good fun time tonight again huh and he grabs her butt and <laughs> meanwhile our human adventurer is like oh, oh gross <laughs> <laughs> and the human and the zell is like hey nothing beats humans none of them are great over a hundred <clears throat> so they end up going to a pub where they ask for a couple other guys' opinions on uh, elf versus human. And it, it comes down to the fact that mana does play an important part in the reviewing of a uh, species when it comes to sex. As the other two reviewers, who was a halfling and a beast man, both say that having sex with a, a older human woman is better than a older elf girl <laughs> because of mana the beast man was like oh elf girls be stinky Ugh. but the but the human women they're ripe and blush for the for the biting and then the <laughs> the halflings just like they're both old it's gross i'm not into either well at this bar there happens to be a harpy there who's walking around given the guys the mean glare eyes <laughs> which i found absolutely hilarious like that's her main important goal is to just give these guys the like you all fucking suck look <laughs> <laughs> and good. uh cut to our two guys walking through a forest talking about uh, how the reviews don't lie you know the guy the girls the guys are just into not into elf girls you know and they come across a angel being attacked by a giant monster and prove that they're not just di- guys who sleep around. They're actually competent adventurers as uh, the elf guy launches an arrow and stuns the giant monster thing. And our uh, human adventurer jumps forth and pulls a what I'd say is more like a samurai move with a claymore and uh-huh. uh, ends up or at least a broadsword. And ends up slicing the monster into bits and pieces that fall apart. Slicing and they brothers. save this little angel boy. Or at least you think it's a boy. When in fact it has both genders. And the elf's name is uh, Krimavel. Which, uh, you know, mythologically speaking, angels are hermaphrodites. So, makes sense. Although, he does not tell them that because he's like... I feel like if I told them that, they'd do really weird things to me. So let's not do that. Um, 
He also identifies as male, or at least that's how he acts how he identifies. They promise to allow him to accompany them while his halo is uh, healing. Uh-huh. And uh, in return, he they both want to go to heaven because they want to uh, check out the brothels in heaven. And at one point, one of them, the elf or Zell, uh, like mentions it to the uh, mentions it to Stunk, and it's like, oh, and like maybe God's up there too. And he's like, oh my God, think of it, we could review sex with God. <laughs> what would it be like with her? Which I was like, oh, I got some JoJo stuff in there. That's nice. I like that. So they take their new elf or their new uh, angel companion back to town where they immediately hit up a uh, brothel of cat girls. And they go, go their favorites. They throw the angel boy at uh, his first time with a any girl at all, apparently. And uh, his halo's quite burning after he's uh, gets out of there. Because as he says, he did it all. Everything. In all one night. <laughs> so uh, they had some fun times. We then cut to a pub. Back to the pub where they had originally been talking about their uh, conquests. Where our angel boy has started working as a maid, I guess delivering drinks and whatnot, a waiter, waitress. And there's a bulletin board where it's talking about how uh, patrons can post rare and helpful information they've learned from their adventurers, including Stunk and Zell's review of Monster Girls. And they give them ratings out of 10. Mm. And they talk about how their most recent conquests were with octopus women. Um... Silica's, I believe her name is, if I remember correctly. Uh, and uh, uh, they always have, like, a additional mm-hmm. companion join them. That's not, like, a part of their standard group of people. Uh-huh. And this time it was a halfling companion who is the only one that gave the octopus women a low score of, I think it was, like, four. Just because the octopus women kind of get a little tied up in their lust and uh, and for him he was like I'm being crushed please help this hurts which uh, in oh, which boy. case all the adventurers like uh, are looking at him like hmm that's good information to know incredibly good uh-huh. and of course meanwhile our uh, our <laughs> our uh, harpy waitress um, whose name let's see here I think her name is like My Dry or Me Dry or something like that. Uh, is all giving everyone the evil eye. She then delivers a bunch of gold coins to Stunk and Zell because apparently in this world, doing reviews pays. Hmm. Moving right along. <laughs> yes. Uh, they then begin immediately planning what they're going to spend their gold on and what else to spend it on but banging more species to review uh they talk about going towards dragons and zell's like dude can we not just bang dragons again we just did that last time how about something not aquatic uh a maid girl walks away saying like all men are terrible uh the human dude gets punched in the face because he puts his hand on her shoulder like what's that jealous 
And probably because she punched him in the face, he then immediately, they all do a review of Harpy. And ah. uh, the review of the Harpy basically is something along the lines of they are probably one of the most erotic species you could ever fuck. Um, <laughs> like, Zell's review is like parakeet, more like, I'm gonna skeet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> The angel was the only one that didn't have, like, that great a time because he's like, they're very submissive. I'm not very dominant. You know, it was a little hard for me, but I enjoyed having a cold bath with them. That was nice. Yeah. The they Their fourth companion this time was Alamia, though, which was kicked out of the establishment. And he was like, I really wanted to wrap myself around them, too. But they said no snakes. <laughs> they yep. said no snakes. <laughs> you know what they say about snakes, right? Yeah. And the Harpy Girl is uh, extremely embarrassed by their review because a lot of the key points to how to please a Harpy is revealed. Uh, Uh Key point one, that the back nape of their neck is extremely sensitive and you ever so brush it against slightly, they basically have an orgasm, which our human adventurer does because she gets all embarrassed, turns around like, damn it, stonk as hell. And he's like, oh, right around here, the nape of your neck, pretty good. And then she takes a stool and bashes him over the head. <laughs> As you do. And thus ends the first episode of Ishokzuku Reviewers. Hmm. And I gotta say, uh-huh. at first I wasn't gonna watch this because it okay. was censored. Yeah, I then was like, you know what? If I'm going to do a good full preview of this, I'm going to go and get the uncensored version, which I did because there is a broadcast of the uncensored version, which is surprisingly uncensored. Surprisingly. Like there's no blinding white lights. There's no little, you know, things blocking areolas or, you know, boobies or anything like that. In fact... Yep. Uh, even when our angel boy lifts up his skirt to reveal he's got a bulge, they zoom in on the bulge. And go. it's quite detailed. Wow. It's a tiny bulge, which uh-huh. would definitely make him, at least if he was not a hermaphrodite trap material. But, uh, you know, yeah. Um, it's quite uncensored, which I gave a thumbs up to a couple times in the anime. Mm. Very appreciative. What's also surprising about this is the animation's fucking amazing. I was blown away. Like, I was expecting something like, you know, mid-tier, average animation. But Uh uh, the studio Passione, who have also done works like High School DxD Hero, Roka, Braves of the Six Flowers, Rail Wars, Citrus, uh, Wasteful Days of High School Girls. They, you know... That was fun. That was your one of your favorites from 2019. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go that far. <laughs> um, they are putting their fucking A game. Like, this is like some kind of passion project for them or something. Because, holy shit. I don't know if the later episodes are going to be any worse quality, but this first episode was goddamn amazing. Like, this is some good-ass erotica. <laughs> like... Mm. not bad not bad at all like side characters that you think shouldn't get that much animation they're getting like really good detail like 
surprisingly yeah. good detail. Like, take a look at this. These are just like some of the guys who are reading their reviews. Mm. Like, look at that. Mm. That's not bad. Uh, let's see here. Screenshot. Uh, oh, let's go with Don't get, yeah. Hmm. Like, yeah. That's, that's I mean, not bad. Yeah. And it means something, you know. As an experienced yeah. veteran of the genre. It means something when you say it's good. So it's uh, it's got a lot of titillage to it. Uh-huh. And, As you expect. Uh, I mean the concept after all. Yeah. And that is the concept behind it. Um I will say that uh I've thus far not really seen a downside to it. I'm definitely looking forward to more of their reviews. Uh mm-hmm. more evil glares from the <laughs> from the harpy waitress um which at one point they've been gone for like two weeks and she starts worrying about them so i'm definitely thinking that she has a thing for potentially uh either zell or stunk which i'm guessing it's stunk which is still i can't get over his name his name is stunk Stunk. i know that's that's uh his parents hated him let's let's be honest (laughs) his parents definitely i mean he does smoke so maybe he's a bit stunky so uh you know Mm. Which I think is a Pokemon. So, there's that. <laughs> Throw my master uh, ball at that. Yeah. I think uh, this is definitely one if, if After Dark Crew are listening to, this might be up your alley too. Maybe check this out. Just saying. Yeah, and let me tell you, the, the ED to this, holy shit. Like, I thought the anime was kind of, you know, borderline hentai. Uh-huh. The fucking ED is like, basically like, if we just pan down a little bit more... You're watching that bird girl take the the little worm for a ride. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I they do a idea. dance which basically consists of thrusting their hips. <laughs> and like, wow. you know, like doing the whole like, you know, the uh-huh. movement of like, yeah, get like pointing towards the crotch area, which. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to continue this series. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely. So, thumbs up for interspecies reviewers and having interspecies sex. Yes. All of the stuffs. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of not having sex, how about your next preview, Andrew? That that is fitting still. Uh, so, uh, the anime, well, I guess we'll be closing today's episode on is one that you've also voiced interest in. It's called Kyoko, Kyoko Suiri. I probably still pronounced that wrong, even though they prompted me. Which also is known as N forward slash Spectre. So, like, Inspector with a forward slash between N. So, Inspector. Inspector. Lolly. Kind of. Uh, she's not really a lolly, but uh, it begins with the girl waking up in a grassy pit with a voice telling her to become the goddess of wisdom. She then wakes up uh, having fallen asleep on a bench outside of a hospital, saying that it's now time. She has a walking stick, which indicates that she has some sort of, I guess, physical ailment, where she then walks towards a guy that she claims she saved the life of. 
Uh, he doesn't have much memory of her until he jogs her memory. And then we cut back to two years ago because, uh, okay, this basically this episode is going to tell things a lot of it out of order. Like it will say something, then flashback, then say something, then flashback. So that's just kind of how it's structured. But two years ago, the same guy um, was walking in a hospital and then he ran into a bunch of kids and almost fell back on himself. And then she rescued, well, she stopped him from falling over, which she exaggerates as... Um, saving his life, but, you know, he just kind of plays along. She has this weird sequence where she compares him, the man to a goat and how it's not to be underestimated, and she very much has a crush on him. She's talking about, you know, she's she blushes saying that this is love at first sight and everything. So she's, she's quite smitten with this hot guy, I suppose, that she ran into in the hospital. Um, but uh, her dreams are very, are very quickly dashed. Because she then talks about how, well, actually in present time, I'm going to have to go this back and forth. In present time, she talks about how he seems to have broken up with Saki, which he's like, well, he's kind of surprised she already knows about it. And then we cut back to her sad moment of realization when uh, it turns out that the man that she meets, who's also called Kuro, had a girlfriend back then uh, who was called Saki. Uh, She first tries to rationalize it every way possible she can, where like, Oh, he was visiting his cousin at the hospital. It, was it the tall girl? Uh, was it a sister? Was it a sibling? It's like, no, no, that's that's definitely his lover. And she's, she's getting more depressed. And then, like, the nurses one by one tell her, like, oh, last I heard, he's getting married soon. She feels like, she gets, like, a bullet. She's like, ah. And then they say, oh, also they've met each other's parents. She's like, ah. And they're going to be, they're going to be marrying very, very soon. And she's getting even more depressed, right? But, um, immediately... Um, you know, we go back to the present time where it turns out, she, you know, go back to how he's now broken up with her and she takes this opportunity to immediately make a move on him, being just like, you know, well, you know, what are your chances on going hooking up with me instead? And he's like, well, I can't, I can't hook up with a middle schooler. I think that's illegal. She's like, hey, I'm actually 17. And that's the thing is, despite looking very short, she's actually 17 years old. Um, hmm. He's understandably, though, because it's very recent not ready to start a relationship again so he's not very interested but then we flash back to the incident that caused his breakup basically when he tries to elaborate so him and Saki were together in Kyoto when suddenly they saw a kappa which is a like a mythical turtle duck looking creature from Japan that eats children you don't really know the rest. But they found also, uh, he also talks about how they also found, it looks very like carnivorous and they found a body in the water the next day, though we don't know if it's related or not. He doesn't tell the whole truth though, because he says that the reason that she broke up with him was because he ran away from the kappa in fear and left her behind. But in actuality, and this is the deduction of the main girl called, um, what's her fucking name? Uh, Iwagama Iwanaga Kotoko, she deduces that actually the Kappa ran away from him. So it turns out that it's not just the Kappa, but yokai, ayakashi, spectres, and demons, all of them, which roam everywhere in the area, they're scared of this main guy. They're all scared of Kuro for some reason. There's some reason, there's something to do with Kuro that's weird that makes them scared of him. And because this happened and because the Kuro ran away from him, uh, no, Kuro. Because the uh, Kappa ran away from him, this freaked his girlfriend out, and that's why she broke up with him. And she used her like her business trip or whatever she was moving away anyway to just take that exp- excuse to kind of break up their relationship. So, um, 
while while he's like, well, I was only co- joking about the Kappa thing, she's like, no, 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 I believe you. It was all real because she goes over her own backstory and it turns out the main girl, um, Kotoko, also has experience with the supernatural because, you see, when she was 11 year old, when she was 11, she was kidnapped by yokai and asked to become the goddess of wisdom, which ties into the scene we saw at the very start of the episode. <laughs> she accepted and was later found by the authorities but when she was found uh, two weeks later, she had only her she had her right eye and her left leg missing. And as Ooh. proof, asked Kuro to look at newspapers regarding this incident six years ago to prove that she's not lying about the whole thing. She then gets on a bus and there's a foreboding like there's a foreboding uh, shot of like some spirit that's crawling in armor above her in the bus. But post-commercial break, it's a fake-out because it's a friendly samurai spirit that's asking her to help clear the monster at the library and to stay away from that guy. And she's like, no, no, I'll, I'll be, you know, besides what you guys might think, I actually find the guy rather hot. And she's looking out the window at him and gawking at him. But then the samurai spirit's just like, are you sure you didn't lose both of your eyes? And she's like, if you don't, if you keep on talking about this, I'm going to exercise you. And he's like, oh, anyways, I don't want to be exercised just yet because apparently the, the samurai spirit is addicted to like romance like novels or whatever but anyway she mentions a spirit she needs to get rid of that's like possessing some library in the hospital and she's like well if i can get the guy to help me out it won't be a problem um so yeah it's kind of kotoko's role to be like an intermediary between spirits and the human world she solves she she's kind of communicates with both and is able to kind of solve problems she's kind of a spirit detective basically we then hmm. get a monologue that draws a parallel between Japan's greatest literary work called the Kojiki that has a god with one leg named Kuebiko. Um, it's a god of wisdom, and she further goes on to talk about how um, there are beings regarded as gods with one eye across many different cultures. And during this monologue, um, we get like a, a sequence of animation showing when she was initially discovered at the park bench with, you know, the one eye and the one leg, where she's taken to the hospital where her wound has already been sealed over and her eye has been like cleared out without any infection for some reason. She wakes up in the hospital bed back then to find her mom talking about talking to her and asking about what she remembers about her kidnapping. But she's immediately like she can see this yokai that's serving her a drink that her mom can't see basically, and she realizes it's all real, and she puts two and two together, and she must realize that, I guess I lost my arm and my eye, not my arm, my leg and my eye, as a trade to becoming a god, and she accepts it as a pretty fair trade, all things considered, which is quite mature, I guess, for being an 11-year-old. She meets Kuro outside the library back to present time, after he confirmed the validity of her story through the newspaper, and any further doubts are quelled when a tanuki drops his disguise to desperately ask Kuroko Kotoko for more help. Apparently there's barriers that have been dispelled in the hospital library and there's going to be a trouble if she doesn't solve this tr- uh, this uh, incident. So she guilts, you know, Kuro initially is like, okay, I believe you. Now, I'm gonna go home now. And she's like, well, you can't, you need to help me out here because, you know, if you don't help me, there'll be like a newspaper article about a girl who just died in a library and it will whack you with guilt that you didn't help her and stuff. And so he's guilted into helping her out. So he carries her into the library and um, they encounter a giant dragon dog monster thing. I don't really know what it is, but it's too berserk to see um, Kuro correctly. So basically Kotoko's original plan was because monsters are scared of him, 
um, her plan was to bring Kuro there to scare the monster, then she could seal it. But because it's berserk, it can't see him properly and it's just going crazy. So feeling that, she says that, well, the only other solution now is to go into violence. So she grabs a fire extinguisher and she sprays the monster with the fire extinguisher. And then she jumps in and hits it in the head, which, you know, uh, doesn't work, actually. So she gets sent flying. Um, Kuro manages to catch her in time. And when she's like, we better retreat for now, he says, no, we're not going to run. And the monster eats Kuro's arm. So his arm gets torn off of him. Which she's like, why are you not faced by this? You've been acting very strange lately. And he's like, well, I guess the spirits didn't tell you about this. But basically, you know, there's something weird about him as well. So we see his arm regenerate. And then the monster that ate his arm starts to disintegrate into, like, bones and shit. Like, it decays. Turns out that Hmm. Kuro's body is poisonous to supernatural beings. And he says that it also happened when he was 11-year-old. He ate two kinds of yokai flesh as much as he could eat. And before we can get any explanation on what this means, the episode ends. Dun-dun-dun. So, you don't get the full story, basically. And that is it for the episode. So, uh, basically, you got yourself another kind of... It's, it's an interesting one, because it's it's actually kind of labelled, and this is quite um, apt on my anime list as a mystery, comedy, demon, supernatural, romance, shonen anime. And, you know, it's really interesting. They actually managed to work the comedy in there. Because it it is actually quite fitting for this one. Uh, This anime is kind of a detective mystery sort of show. But it's kind of interesting because it does have that sort of tone to it. It's very focused on its dialogue more than a lot of other anime. Well, instead of being very, like, exposition heavy, the characters have a lot of kind of banter off of each other. Especially, like, for instance, like, uh, when he's going into the scene where the guy's, like, trying to, like, when he takes her to where the monster is in the library, he's he's piggyback carrying her at first, and she's like, well... This isn't very romantic. At first, I thought you'd be carrying me. It's more like it would feel more proper if you were carrying me like a princess, you know, bridal style, right? And then when she gets sent flying by the monster and he catches her, he 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 catches her bridal style, and then she's like, "Yeah, this is yeah, I was imagining it correctly. This is a lot more. This is a lot. I prefer this. This holds a lot more, you know." So she she's basically completely smitten with them. But the the, the writing is very bantery <laughs> and very kind of playful basically, all the way through. And that's kind of refreshing in its own way. Like, it's down as a comedy, but it's not very, like, gag-in-your-face sort of comedy. You know, it's a very subdued, like, like written style of uh, hmm. humour to it. And I think that's actually quite unique, and it kind of works with it being a mystery sort of, like, you know, supernatural show. They're gonna be, from what I can tell, they're gonna be, like, a, a pair of supernatural detectives, and they're gonna solve a lot of, you know... Uh, incidents that are going to happen. The next one's going to have to do with snakes, and you know, I, I I've already voiced my opinion on snakes. So it's uh, so far, it's it's intriguing. You know, it's it keeps itself at a good pace. It has a non chronological can't pronounce things. It's got a non chronological storytelling style to it. That's you know keeps me engaged. It's by Studio Brainspace. If you don't know, they're the same studio that brought us Bakano, uh, Ra um. Let's see. A lot of really well-animated anime, basically. <laughs> I like pretty much anything they make. They make Hotorubi, Nomori E, Kami Chu <laughs> back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Tomari no Kaibutsukun. So they're not even really limited to one genre. They, they do romance... Actually, I think they did uh, Mighty Romantic Comedy Snafu, whatever it was. Yeah. So... Yeah. 
Yep. So they do a lot of, of varied shows. They're not stick, they're not strictly uh, stuck to romance or harems or whatever or, or action shows or they do a lot of different shows and whatever they do they seem to animate fairly well. So if that rings true with this show. This show is quite nice to look at. You know, it's uh the art style is not super unique, but it's animated quite nicely enough. And you know, I kind of like the characters. The, the thing is, is that while its concept isn't super unique, the characters are immediately quite <clears throat> engaging to to follow along with. It, there's a lot of focus on the dialogue, which is not something that a lot of anime does very well. So, kudos, kudos. It's it's definitely grabbed my attention. So, uh, I recommend it for anybody who's looking for something of like a little bit different this season. You know, there's a little bit romance. It, it seems like basically we're gonna have this pair go go off together. She's gonna try and you know get Kuro to reciprocate her feelings. Whether he will by the end, I don't know. But you know, it's 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 a nice relationship dynamic because you know. Um, she's very upfront with her uh, opinions and feelings with the guy and, you know, mm. they talk a little bit more like they're people as regards to, like, cliche anime characters, which I appreciate for uh, the introduction, yeah. you know? So, so far, you know, decent characters, decent mystery, supernatural beings, what's not to like for me, you know? So, I'm gonna keep on watching this one and, you know, if you were kind of on the fence on whether or not you're gonna watch this, I think you should maybe give it a go, Joseph. If you're, uh, it definitely like when you started talking about how like she was upfront with her feelings and she wasn't just like your bland anime like babaka. Like yeah. all of a sudden I was like, go on. Yeah, no, no, she she she's playing the game. She she's strategic about it. He's like, wow, you know, like <laughs> he just broke up with his girlfriend. She's like, well, go out with me then. And he's just like, wait, whoa, you're a lot more blunt than I thought. You know, waiting for a whole a two whole years holding your feelings back to tell me this. And she's like. Fate doesn't need, you know, you know, it, it makes sense waiting two years for fate, you know, to, to take hold. She, she's very, like, I guess, uh, naive about it, but she's very adamant about pursuing this guy. And that's, 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 that's adamant in the way, you know, it's, that's, that's uh, admirable, I suppose, I guess, in its own right. And um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that other show that uh, Rio previewed a while back, like Sagrada Reset, in the way the characters just kind of talk very practically and formally with each other but um mm-hmm. it's got more action and less dialogue so yeah definitely check it out if you're interested i'm going to keep watching it that does it for my preview i suppose all right well you finally got me actually interested in something that i was potentially going to not really dig into mm. well there we go i guess you know we'll we'll figure it out i'll figure it out what uh what will happen yeah very cool very cool all right in which case that does it for your very first uh previews episode of the 2019 season i thank everyone for sticking around listening to us uh and of course before we go we have to thank our sponsors which uh, we got tagged recently yeah yes they did um let me pull that up here Yep. Uh, where was that? It was in It's admin on the chat, admin right? chat. Check the admin chat. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So we got Tag, uh, Algazero, Shuji, uh, V is gone. I, or no, the wait, thing is, uh, he says, he says Patreon yeah. that credit. But the thing is, is, I know that Rampant AI supports us somewhere else that's not Patreon, so I think we should still mention him. Okay, so we got Tag, Phantom, uh, Seraph Man, Shuji, Algazero, uh, Rampant AI, which 
you know, they they uh, claim they are now supporting us. Um, we also have, uh, if you... I'll say tentatively Mal. I'll still say tentatively Mal. Tentatively Mal? I mean, yeah. even if we go with, like, tentatively Mal, he is definitely supporting us via boosting our server, so... Exactly. You know, that's the thing that's he's doing. Thing. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's worth it. Yep. And, uh... We've got all of our anonymous sponsors out there, everyone who's listening currently in chat... Black Magic, Mariner Burt, Maria, Rampant AI, Sig, uh, Sigwin. Yep. Everyone, thank you for joining us for our first 2020 Winter's Previews. And until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs>